1: my name is Dave Hanraddy and there will be No Encore. Welcome to episode three hundred and eleven. It's the three one one on the No Encore Music Podcast. Craig Fitzpatrick is in the zoom window looking wearing a nice red jumper this week.
0: Yeah, and a red hoodie. I'm all red. Red okay. or dead baby. I don't know.
1: Yeah. All red everything.
0: It's giving me a vibrancy that the rest of my body doesn't have this week, Dave.
1: Good stuff. That's what I want to hear at the start of February. <laughs> spring. Where? I where guess do you, winter, oh, though. okay.
0: You've answered the question. I was going to say, where do you stand on the spring beginning February 1st debate?
1: I don't want to get into it. I, I think it's one of those ones. I, My now ex-housemate Richard Chambers, because we just went our separate ways, we're, all, we're still friends. Don't worry, everybody. Um... He was adamant that winter doesn't begin until like fucking December, I think. So you know, winter it's... doesn't begin till December, or did he say November? No, December. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's his bag. I think it could be November misquoting him. is autumn for Richard Chambers. I think so. What the hell. No, no, no. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. It, February's I'm kind of with for you. Him. It doesn't really matter because it's such a spring is a wishy washy season anyway, right? Okay. Having a well, go. You hear some people are being you? like, "Oh, I love spring. Spring's my favorite season." I'm like, "No, it's <laughs> Who not. the fuck it's says no that? one's favorite season. No one says I don't know. that." know. you hear people on TV, on doing TV like birdwatch shows, and yeah. I
1: don't okay, well, this isn't TV, Craig. It's podcast, radio, I suppose. Whatever you, whatever Digital, you have on yourself audio. Digital. Digital audio Yeah that's how it goes um, It's a music podcast We're back for a new one um, I feel like we're both probably really wrecked Are we? It's been one of those weeks Hasn't it? I think It has uh, Back in the office for me Which is mm. fun one. Um, Love and life
0: Love and life Enjoying my football and (laughs) three points on the board. It doesn't Um, feel like spring, is all I'm saying. Nah, sure it
1: doesn't. It sure doesn't. It it all feels very strange. So it does. Um, But the preamble here, you've written down a couple of things in the preamble that have taken my my eye. Uh, Do you want to explain to the listeners what? Like usually we we pack with what we have on the show, but you've put down wasn't uh, a lot on (laughs) in in block capitals. You've got we'll see, you'll all see, which I think is really ominous. Well,
0: first of all, we have the Patreon plug, which is very important that we get to that. Go for Uh, it. Patreon.com forward slash noencore. If you want to support the show, price of a pint, whatever you can manage, we would appreciate it. We appreciate people already giving. And then, yeah, the next two points that I just felt compelled to fill were, we'll see, you'll all see. I think that was Tuesday, Dave. I was putting news
1: together. Mm -hmm. I was a bit of a spent force already. Okay. (laughs) This is now two days ago. (laughs) I'm right there with you. I went back to the gym this week. That was a fucking nightmare. Oh. I was over- it, busy? Uh, it was. I went twice because I'm having, you know, obviously following on from last week's episode, by the way, thanks to a lot of people who said a lot of nice things. Do appreciate it. Um, still having a tough time. Shock horror. However, uh, I found myself just being like, OK, I need to fucking do something, you know. So I went to the gym and it was not amazing. But then like I went the other night after work and it was like full of people and I just kind of overdid it a bit. I ended up like, you know, did like triple cardio did like a run. Cross trainer. I was on the cross trainer at one stage and I thought about my dad and I started welling up with tears and I was like, this is amazing. I was like, and I, I, at that point though, I was like, you know what? I don't care. I was like, I couldn't give a fuck. If some, you know, Herculean god man or some, you know, insanely perfect looking woman comes around the corner and sees this I'm like it's grand they'll just be like I won't bother that guy on the machine let him at it so that might be the new tactic just present yourself I feel like
0: people that go to the gym are in touch with their emotions
1: just kind of any kind of outpouring they welcome um, I mean I haven't done like an exit poll But maybe that could be on the cards But um, so I, 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 I was trying to wrap it up And I was like oh you know what I'll do I'll go on the rowing machine Now I have to clarify I'm I am not was
0: about to say yeah. I picture you on a rowing machine <laughs> I feel like that's your bag <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if it's your like drumming background or something Just sure. like, seated but having you know Immense power upper body wise I, You know You
1: have to understand that um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm currently well, what if I
0: thought about this <laughs>
1: you have to understand that I'm currently not in a a wonderful shape and uh, I haven't been to the gym for a long time so going on the rowing machine was uh, perhaps a a bad idea because after five minutes I, I was like oh god I feel like I'm I can't feel my legs I was like this isn't good and so like I literally was like that's enough for now you know that was a way of winding down I suppose and I just sat there for a second and I just I sat there and I realized I was like I actually can't feel my legs I was like they feel like complete jelly I think if I stand up I will collapse. And I was like, that "That can't happen. Because that will just put my self-esteem further through the ground. And it's already pretty bad as it is. And I looked around. There's like, you know, again, perfect looking people to my left. And I'm like, they can't see this. Like, like, I'll I'll never live it down. So I sat there for a while. Did you drag yourself out? I just kept like, I just stretched out my legs for a while and I just kept looking around. And then I was like, I'm going to have to get up at some point. This is this is not okay. So I put my hand on the machine and I was just like, oh God, please, I'm begging you. And I stood up and all the blood rushed to my head and I just kind of like took a deep breath and didn't fall down. And I was like, okay. But man, it was close. It could have happened.
0: Do you know what? I'm the agony idiot. of your your weight there, um, I'll put that up against me being in bed one time, <laughs> just one morning, normal everyday morning, not realizing that my legs were completely dead. No, no. Asleep rolling like hopping out of bed and my legs not working <laughs> along with me and just collapsing I just collapsed straight on the floor it was the most baffling thing that's ever happened to me at least there was no but one didn't there didn't have the agony of yeah, you know it? anticipation
1: and all that so I just got on with my life yeah there's no hard body strangers beside you you know you're just well, like
0: well okay <laughs> no, it wasn't. the only hard body in that bed was me
1: I've <laughs> uh, <laughs> to push I've had those those mornings where I've woken up and I've, like, I've slept on my arm and like your arm is oh, like, yeah. it's so drained of blood that oh, yeah, it's completely... To to. My arm is broken. My arm is broken. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've, I, I, I had to do it once where I literally was like, okay, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I think my arm has been like, I think someone has like injected me with some kind of numbing agent and i'm like and i'm clearly about to be like operated on or something yeah because like you're waking out of the haze of the dream as well so like i remember once though very vividly like using my right arm and like craning it over hooking it over to my left and like lifting it up like it was you know just like a big fucking piece of meat Um, and i'm like and then my arm just like flopped back down and smashed me in the face and i was like this isn't fair (laughs) Why, why is this happening Bad. Not good. You you can tell we don't have an album review on this episode, right? Because we're just stalling out this preamble for no reason. I guess you'll see, we'll we'll all see. We did see. Um, Yeah, so that was my week. Um, I don't know. It's uh a... I don't know, wow, this is quite the high intensity
0: opening, isn't it? It's
1: high intensity <laughs> Just workout. Just
0: faffing around. Yeah, it's a strange um, time.
1: I I, sh- I think we should say, though, before we move on, uh, on a music level, uh, shout shout out and all love to John Barker of Tilt the Irish yes. 98 FM, because, of course, he presented his last show last weekend um he's no longer with the station he was presenting that show for 12 fucking years um i've said it already but like you'd struggle to find someone as enthusiastic about irish music as he is um you know there's a current conversation going on about the state of irish music on irish radio it's something i'm actually looking into myself at the moment um but John, I think, is one of the good guys. He's hosted this show before. Uh, yeah. He's an incredibly Amazing charismatic job. guy. A truly lovely gentleman. Um, ridiculously handsome as well. But, you know, we we we, we won't hold that against him. But uh, it's a sad thing because, you know, he's such a component, I think, in a fixture. And I I don't know what's going to happen with him going forward. But, like, I texted him and I just said to him, I said, listen, man, I was like, get mad, get sad. But please don't, you know, please find a project because, like, I think... I think you're too good for it. So, and I got to give him a lot of credit as well because like he opened up his, his final show. Um, with New Amusement, that song Jamboree by them. yeah, A great short-lived Irish band. One of the greatest Irish songs I've ever heard in my life. And I hadn't heard it in a while. And as soon as I heard him play that, I was like, you son of a bitch. That is the best way to start your last ever show. So all love in the world great, to John. Man. He's a great dude. And I'm looking Here, forward to seeing know, what next. I was comes about next.
0: to say, you know, when you're, you're as good as him, like a new project will find him. But mm-hmm. current state of Irish radio. Yeah. That is the hope, but it's not always a given. Um, but yeah. Yep. Just we need him around. So well, like know, the I mean, Lord Mayor of Irish music, <laughs> <laughs> and it felt kind of fitting to be honest. <laughs> Lord Mayor like of Irish that. music. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll it's find it, but
1: it fits. Yeah. Well, look, you know, he's been on the show before. He's welcome back again. Maybe we'll try and get him on soon. But uh, in the meantime, Craig, uh, on this show, we've no album review because it wasn't a great week for Irish albums or Irish albums. It wasn't a great week for Irish. albums. It it's wasn't great for albums in general. We're still in winter, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Depending on who you are. Uh, we didn't want to review the uh, Aaron Lewis album, lead singer of Stained, who's gone quite right, I believe. We didn't we didn't want to go down that pathway. I think there was a Jethro Tull album that we were like, nah, why, why bother? You didn't tell me that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, I glossed over it. A bit of rock flute. You but we, have, um, we do have a top five, though. What's our top five? Our top five is a biggie, I
0: think. Mm-hmm. I was a bit surprised we hadn't done it before. It's One Hit Wonders. Mm-hmm. And um, this, this is based on a news item that hasn't made our news section, I've just realised. Good stuff. <laughs> um, so, Tenuous, I don't know. The news was, the very sad news, that the mighty, mighty boss tones have finally broken up. Um, they did the song, The Impression That I Get... Everyone knows that. It's one of the greats. It is it great. Is, it was kind of a one and done for them. They obviously kept going for a long time, but they didn't really ha- hit those kind of heights yet again. So we'll be looking at similar acts that kind of, you know, made a big splash commercially and that was it. It was kind of, you know, diminishing returns or the abyss, I guess. Um. <laughs> the
1: great void. Um, great I guess void. I, I should uh, I should probably note at the outset that I think I completely fucked this one up. So we've done to later on yeah when we get there, it's
0: just a little tease it's a little tease
1: i think for the most part it qualifies but like we'll get into the weeds of it before we get into the top five later in the show oh we will i'm you know i mean in fairness i mean i think you know i'm you know it's a it's a weird time and i'm 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 doing my best but uh yeah i think i i I think i might have just completely misunderstood this one but you know we'll figure it out it's fine there's definitely ones in there that are totally valid but there's a couple that i'm like "Mm, i don't know about that now but yeah i might be the same we'll we'll see We'll see. In the meantime, uh, we'll get to the, the first main portion of the show. I feel like I'm doing the show for the very first time. This is weird. Adam, if you will, put me out of my misery. Thank you. Hey, you heard about the good news? And we now go live to the man who put together this week's news section. It's Craig Fitzpatrick. And we start with Craig on Kanye.
0: Attention, everyone. One, one. Shut up. Craig
1: on Kanye.
0: Straight into Craig on Ye. Um, yeah, he's been talking about NFTs, Dave, your favourite subject. And it's a real roller coaster with Ye at the moment because there was also news that he seems to be working again with Marlon Manson, which we yeah. don't want to hear. No. One of the more sensible things he's kind of come out with and posted or said in recent times was his stance on NFTs, which I am sick of hearing about, quite frankly. And it seems like he is too. So he took to Instagram to post a handwritten letter a real letter um, where he basically says don't bother me with like doing an NFT. He says my focus is on building real products in the real world. Uh, He also cites real food, real clothes, real shelter as his kind of current focal points and yeah says do not ask me to do a fucking NFT. I think it ends with ask me later. That upset me. Maybe we'll be yeah Yeah, scolding him at some other point on this very segment. Probably that is the way these things often go. Mm. I'm right there kind of with him i mean dave have you done much reading on the non-fungibility of tokens and i guess more specifically musicians now waiting in i it presume you saw that quite haunting clip of jimmy fallon
1: and yeah Paris Hilton Paris Hilton, last week. yeah absolutely i think that was shared online by a colleague ex-colleague of yours um uh, current colleague yeah current colleague, Keller, sorry. um yeah he,
0: he went viral with super viral with yeah. good reason um jimmy fallon how
1: do we even explain it if people haven't seen the clip how do you explain jimmy Jimmy fallon Fallon. um i would say uh burnt out husk of a man who has never had any credibility or authenticity whatsoever would you say jimmy fallon is fungible i would say so i feel like he's
0: you know ten a penny can we not
1: use that word ever again is that
0: a possibility i don't like that word word. fallon fair enough (laughs) so essentially um fungifallon part Paris Hilton and Jimmy Fallon are kind of part of what is ostensibly, I think, um, this is me editorialising, a bit of a Ponzi scheme. (laughs) 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 But Paris Hilton was on, like, The Tonight Show doing her interview and, like, one of the quirky, cool things they were chatting about was, like, their new pastime of buying um, their own avatars of, like, apes, like, bored ape things. And there's, like, a limited amount. I think it's a thousand or maybe ten thousand they cost something like 200 grand but the way they were chatting was just like oh you get to dress them up it was the most vapid soul destroying thing I've ever seen the audience didn't know what to do <laughs> there was like scattered applause
1: and they, like so they clearly whacked the applause sign on at one stage when they realised oh, it wasn't working because was like what the 100%. fuck are we watching but the big what we were watching was like an infomercial to try and like
0: boost up the the value of um, the NFTs they bought, which was very odd, and I would assume was in breach of something or other. I don't know if NBC's had anything to say about it, but yeah, that was the kind of latest in the line of this nft nonsense how do you feel about it dave uh
1: shoot me in the head with a massive gun i fucking hate it i'm sick of it i hate that it's dominating the conversation to such a degree that it's no longer escapable um it was almost wholesome for five seconds if you recall last year craig can you name because we would have talked about it on the show can you name the first major musical act who came along i think it was the first time i ever learned of, of what an nft was what act last year released their album via nft adam has his hand up and a big smile on his face Can you beat him to the answer, Craig? He has to type his out. You don't. You've got a microphone, man. It was our Southern boys. It was Kings of Leon. It was the Kings of Leon. And Adam has also flashed up on the screen pretty quickly. So you both got it. And I hope you got it as well, listener. And you know what? That Kings of Leon album, by the way, I've actually gone back to it a lot more than I thought I would. I think that's actually not a bad album at all. (laughs) But nfts when are you're doing crossfit i would imagine you've <coughs> yeah, changed yeah. man well i'm on the <laughs> you're rower a different person now yeah um yeah i i, I just it's it, it's not I, I don't even want to devote too much time on the show too because it's everywhere it's so boring it's killing the fucking planet uh it's a bunch of rich people being horrific it's an unregulated nightmare uh, I, I i think i mentioned i went to the cinema a few times recently and like there's this ad in the cinema and, like a, matt damon comes on the screen and he's like He's For like, crypto, yeah. throughout the years, mankind have done unbelievable things. We've gone to the moon. We've done this. We've done that. And now it's time to do this. And then it's like crypto.com. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Buy this, you know,
0: John Terry endorsed picture of a monkey. That's what you want. And you too can go to the moon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If this is the future, um, honestly, I, I think I need to go and live in a cave because I just, I think it's fucking gross. Uh, you think- can go... Yeah, go on, sorry. I'm just going to say, like, I mean, I I really, uh, there's a real. uh, I don't know enough about it, but I think it's a bad thing, I think it's dangerous. And I think there's a genuine kind of arrogance about it or something. There's just something that strikes me as like... It's how flippant and
0: simplistic and bullshitty all of the stuff around it is, right? It just kind of screams of people with too much money seeing the latest venture that they're going to get in and, you know, make a book off quick. And then, you know, invariably a bunch of people with far less money will arrive too late and lose a whole lot of it. And Yeah. yeah, I actually think maybe the underpinning of it in terms of assigning unique value to digital stuff could work somewhere down the line when we're all like living in a computer and you need to kind of have some form of authentication. But what they're doing at the moment isn't that. It's just really, really frivolous.
1: Well, what about the metaverse, Craig? Is that frivolous or is that the actual future of where we're going for the rest of our lives?
0: Yeah, so you could go live in a cave or you could go to a gig, Dave, in the metaverse because Roblox are saying it's going to be... Do you know what? Actually, this quote from Roblox vice president and head of music. What is John, Roblox? May I ask? So R- Roblox is like a sandbox platform. Um, so it's a bit like you know. Have you ever played Minecraft?
1: I uh, never have. Actually, no.
0: Okay, it's similar to Minecraft, but it's more like the platform that you can have games like Minecraft and universes like that, and you can kind of use this platform to build out from there. And I haven't had much dealings with it myself, but that's basically what I think the takeaway is. Um, if you know, if you're going back a while like me, it's kind of like the Sims connected to the internet. <laughs> that is like my one point of reference. It's <laughs> a good but reference. The head the head of music there is saying that um, artists will soon be able to launch and sustain successful careers virtually without ever having to play real life gigs. And I just immediately thought like, Musicians used to be able to have careers without playing gigs. It was called selling music. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, getting political, Craig. I like I it. I know, but now this Roblox guy is saying that actually, what they can do is they can get into the metaverse and they can meet their virtual fans and they can chill
1: and sell merchandise. I can't believe that these sentences. I can't believe these sentences are coming out of your mouth. I can't believe that this is what we're talking about. I can't believe like this is. Uh, Something's up. Like, like, like something's. Maybe the last two years have just led to this thing where it's like we've been so inactive and we've been so trapped and we've been so, you know, just kind of uh, so much behavior to unlearn and just so so many difficulties attached with the pandemic. But now it's just like, you know, what? Let's just go fucking nuts. Let's let's hyper accelerate into every bad turn of the century sci-fi film you ever saw. And you know, I'm not. I'm probably not doing my bit to save the planet, but. This seems wildly irresponsible on top of everything else. I'd be up for wild irresponsibility if, like, the
0: experience seemed good. Do you know what I mean? I think I've sure. got a track record of that, Dave. Um, so you know only too well. But every time I see footage of, like, some quote-unquote rave that's happening in the metaverse, it just looks like the most, bull- like, graphics-wise, it's turn of the century, as you said. Mm-hmm. It just looks like <clears throat> the worst thing I have ever seen in my life and the biggest gig so far in roblox was by 21 pilots which doesn't um do their case any real favors i'm not seeing this becoming a proper thing like it's think at the start of the pandemic and lockdown and you know streaming gigs was a nice novelty for a week maybe <laughs> seven days yeah total <laughs> yeah. apart from a few standouts yeah it got all pretty fast I don't think bringing in like Parappa the Rapper style um,
1: visuals is going to improve the situation. It's a pretty so. good game, though. I enjoyed that back in the day. Um, I I'll don't know do for that. Yeah. What all I think about when I think about stuff like this is I just think about the 3D movie boom and how nobody really wanted it and how yeah, it actually yeah, made films worse and how we we had to you can now see the like the fucking detritus of that if you ever go back and watch a film from 2010 and there's a moment where like a character turns and like the sword comes up to the camera and i'm like oh yeah i bet that would have looked terrible in fucking cine world back in 2010 good stuff um yeah not for me man um is there anyone out there in the music world though who is trying to do something better would you say is there anyone that that's
0: i'm I'm glad you've asked dave um because the answer is weezer frontman rivers cuomo (laughs) that's always the answer Listen, he's built his own streaming platform, um, which I was going to say Neil Young could kind of flock to, um, seeing as he's left Spotify. But actually, it's completely reserved for Weezer. It's Weezify, Dave. Is this actually a a thing or is this just a joke headline? This is actually a thing. I read the story this week and it's an actual thing. Um, So... This is basically based on the fact that he has done a tremendous amount of demos over the years, written, uh, you know, Bob Pollard level of songs. It's just an unhealthy amount of output from Rivers Cuomo, which we know all about. And there's been kind of more traditional releases of his demos for years and years, but it just hasn't gathered them all together. So what he's done is created a Spotify-like player for all of his demos from 1975 to 2017, there's close to 3,500 demos. You can you can download this on like your Apple Store or through Google Play. Get the app, follow curated playlists, create your own playlists. And Rivers says he made the app himself. It took him all of last year to make it and he hopes we enjoy it. And yeah, he did an interview last year where he was talking about like life in lockdown and how much of an introvert he was and like... Uh, it was a perfect time for him and he was perfectly happy to be at home all the time. He was working on music, some more demos and computer programming, which we now know is to store all those demos. So, you know, I can kind of see that frame of mind, to be honest. We all got in a bit of a cocoon at times, right? And just kind of you sink into your home comforts. I can imagine this being a fun thing for him and 10 people on this Weezer's is, this subreddit. This <laughs> yeah,
1: I was about to say that th- th- there is a slight fatal flaw here. What if I have no interest whatsoever in Weezer? Your shit out of luck, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you know what? Cheer me up, Craig. Last week we we announced the debut of Craig's new gimmick, Eternal Optimist. It didn't last too long. lasted two minutes, just but until the yard Act
0: review. Yeah, how are you feeling this week? Went on a rant. I'm feeling good. I'm fr- feeling optimistic. Um, despite everything I said in the preamble. Yeah, I think we need a sting <laughs> for this. Change. We'll see how. Yeah, h- h- I'm betraying how it my own emotions up. just for the sake of a link. We're going to Eternal Optimism Corner. It's um, the first item. <laughs> in a segment that contains two items and we're starting with Andre 3000 it's a good start did you see that um, tweet doing the rounds where it was just like listen tell us about your strangest interaction with a celebrity yeah I did I wasn't seeing too many of them because
1: I kind of don't like a lot of those have I talked about this before about how I can't because this comes up on Twitter all the time it's an easy like you know oh this will get you know this will be a thing um, have I ever talked from about, like... From the tweeter. From the initial tweeter. Yeah, yeah but... It's just have an easy I, thing to draw out there. I can't quote that and be and, and say what mine is. Because, like... Have I talked about it on the show before? Because, like, how... And trigger warning, by the way. This oh, because is, it's dark. Yeah. Trigger warning for um, a, a horrible human being. I interviewed Ian Watkins of Lost Prophet <sighs> six months before it, it all broke. And it all went down. And... I interviewed him in yeah. person. This is back in the Hot Press days. I interviewed him in person in the Library Bar or IP Library Bar if it's gone. I don't know if it is. Um, I know it's going, but that's where you know we did a ton of Hoppers interviews there. Good little spot. So I interviewed Ian Watkins of Lost Profits. Just going to keep saying it. Ian Watkins of Lost Profits. Um, maybe he'll maybe he'll materialize in my mirror if I say it one more time. So basically, he was like, only fucking, conscious for about fifty percent of it. Right. This is the thing. He fell asleep during the interview, um, but Incredible. he showed up and he was clearly like you know. Uh, the worst for wear it was 10 in the morning he'd like fake tan running off him and he was like barely awake uh the other guy was there lee gaze of that band the guitarist and he was nice um and i liked lost Prophets when i was when i was growing up i loved that first album when i was in my kerrang bag back in the day but ian Watkins was just super fucking rude man and like you know fell asleep during the interview which was hilarious i was like this is a first (laughs) especially an in-person interview my god so I just thought he was an ignorant prick. And then, of course, six months later, all that horrific news about him came out. And I actually remember being in hot press, And I actually remember having to write a news story about it. And I had to read the court report because, you know, oh, yeah, it's yeah. about... I remember some of those details like, and it was
0: just as but was grim like, as it gets.
1: A story, yeah, a story like this, you're like, you can't get anything wrong. So I had to read the fucking court report. And I'm mm. not... Obviously, I'm not going to get into anything here. But, like, all I will say is that, like, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not saying this for effect. When I read those pages, my stomach genuinely turned. I was like, this is... Yeah. The starkest, most fucked up stuff. Uh, and obviously, you know, he's in prison for, for life and thank God for that. But yeah, so I, so how do I, you know, how do I quote tweet that and be like, well, let me tell you something. Before you we went down that road, I, I thought it was just going to be your
0: standard thing of like, well, as journalists, we can't really be like, well, I met such and such as part of my job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, God, that was definitely. We've a had lots remember. of. We have had lots of lighthearted, We've strange had weird, interactions, of course. Yeah, we have that's the one that always what comes I lo- to mind what though. I do love about that encounter and it's nothing to do with the actual of personnel was the fact that wasn't this whole in-person interview purely for um, the quickie segment <laughs> yes, which is was. set questions yeah. that is like one-liner stuff that's always done over phone. the phone but this was in yeah. person I had to do <laughs> and of course you couldn't tell mm-hmm. the act no <laughs> you had to pretend like you were talking about their new album so I did you a 20 minute interview, their... interview oh, asking all God. the
1: generic album questions and at the end I was like oh by the way we've got like this kind of online thing that we do right? ask you 10 template questions do you mind if we do this real quick and they were like sure did those and of course (laughs) by the way as I've said before They much prefer the quickie They bit, much prefer yeah. the quickie They always do Like it, like questions like You know Where are you now And what segment. are you doing uh, Which is funny Because like Where are you now And what are you doing Is always the first one Because Did you,
0: you ju- did you read that out In no, person No but or I included just it, it
1: I, I, I included it And I went In Dublin Talking to you Exclamation mark I was like Very But no good. The quickie rules Hot no longer does it Because you know why? Why keep a good thing Like, for example, Dave Hanready and Craig Fitzpatrick. Uh, But while we're on this subject, Craig, can (laughs) you... Well, we left, Dave. We did leave. (laughs) Uh, What is your strangest celebrity interaction? Oh, God. I don't know.
0: Strange interaction. Like, I always go back to, like, car crash interviews and stuff. And the Charlton's was a pretty bad one. That was a bit surreal in terms of how they just switched to... Perfectly nice after the public interview, but I don't know. There's been loads. um
1: Maybe it's something we should return to for a top five at some point. We probably should. um I won't be using the Ian Watkins one again because it's horrible. And apologies to anyone who's upset about hearing his name on the show, but you know it happened. Uh, oh yeah, uh, sorry. Let's talk, people let's sorry, talk more sorry. about the, the last thing. Sorry, me. the last thing. The last thing That's I will say going. on this, just because real quick, because people afterwards were like, "Hey, when you interviewed in that time, like, did, did you know?" did did you get a vibe? And I was like, what the fuck? No, I did not. He was just a dick. Anyway, Andre 3000 is a nice man. Talk about him, please.
0: Lovely man. Jason Roth um, was able to respond to the tweet and he recalled a time um, he was on a ferry ride to Alcatraz back in the early 2010s. So was Andre 3000. So he wrote... Uh, Once Andre 3000 was on my ferry ride to Alcatraz and I said hi, my six-year-old autistic son came over and started talking his ear off about German Shepherds, his obsession at the time. Andre talked to him about dogs for like 20 minutes, um, which would be lovely in and of itself. But Then Rot went on to say that they exchanged numbers and four years later he got a text from Andre 3000, um, which he then shared the screenshot of. The text reads, Hi Jason, I was searching for a name and yours popped up. I remember our cool encounter on the bo- boat. Ha, huh? how's the kid? I'm living in <laughs> NYC now. So if you're ever here, please reach out. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely man. <laughs> it's a random message. Incredible. And he, he followed up by saying, we did try to connect, uh, reconnect in uh, New York one time, but he was away shooting a movie, which sounds plausible. I don't think he was fobbing him off uh, <laughs> because why would you say it? We've exchanged texts a few times and he's as cool as you'd hope. And then he just talked about the picture. He says, my son was too shy to take a pic with him, but I couldn't resist. So yeah, um, Andre 3000, who by all accounts seems a very um, shy kind of guy. And certainly listening to that podcast he did with Rick Rubin um, doesn't value his talent in the way the rest of the world does and has a lot of insecurities and seems to spend a lot of time in his own house. um, But perfectly nice to this random dude that came up to him and his son and reached out four years later and still remembered. And uh, that gives us a bit of hope right a yeah. bit of
1: reason to be optimistic i mean i'm not surprised he strikes me as that kind of guy he's just super yeah. cool and seems very chill and nice and fair play to him uh, i did notice i did see this doing the rounds on twitter and i did i scrolled into it and i i, I scrolled down and the, and the first the top reply or whatever was someone being like you're, you're sharing this private moment that you had with him this is not cool how dare you do this and i was like this is amazing i was like twitter what? just finds a way every fucking time no matter what it is to just find the poison within unbelievable imagine getting annoyed about that like getting annoyed about a ferry ride to Alcatraz
0: with André 3000 yeah. will we go to item number two and lift our spirits once
1: again go for it man
0: well it's congratulations <laughs> to Rihanna and A$AP Rocky to go full radio mode <laughs> this is only this I mean this is big news for them it's getting a bit tabloidy big but big news yeah. for the world they're Greg having, they're having a baby baby Fenty I think was the um trending hashtag. I can't believe I said that sentence. But yeah, there was, um, Rihanna unveiled, I'm I'm reading this, I'm reading this, Rihanna unveiled her baby bump via an open coat accessorised with a chain as the pair walked around New York together. It was very tasteful actually, I thought it was a good kind of Unveiling.
1: She was wearing very and distressed jeans. They were like like super level of bootcut. They were just completely enveloping whatever shoes she had on. It was bizarre. But it's around so it's fine. She can do whatever. Like there's no problem. Yeah,
0: and there was a lot of like gemstones going on and stuff. It seemed like a very expensive get up for a, a wintry walk, but um I guess it worked and
1: God bless them both. I don't know what more to say. It's God it's a good thing both. to have <laughs> It is a good thing. Um, I mean, like I think people, into my some people are pissed off because they're like, you know, where's the fucking album? You know, I guess we're not oh, getting really? that now for a while. But... Uh, fair play I think that whatever human being they bring into the world could be the most beautiful human being in the history of the world so that, that's going to be terrifying that is very true like yeah. you're talking about two of the most beautiful people walking the planet you're like fair play to you it's well done I'm glad that you you I know d- saw what you, like, what's right in front of you. yeah of course you're unbelievable I did and see um, so I. I,
0: I didn't I didn't see the people getting annoyed about the lack of Rihanna albums oh, no they're one out actually, there. by
1: the way that Rocky's
0: been releasing stuff because people don't care quite as much which is Um, but I did see people throwing around rumours that Drake had (laughs) unfollowed some boat directly after the news Uh, Drake of course is um, he he was linked to Rihanna for years or certainly there was that whole award show thing where he made it clear that she was the love of his life and um yeah, unfollowed both of them. I'm not. Sure. It might have been a huge
1: coincidence, and you know we're getting into very schoolyard stuff, so we'll yeah. just leave that where it is. Well, I, I Vulture magazine, uh, which I think is a New York magazine arts section, uh, put up their like, guess how much it cost to buy one of the photographs because there was a professional photo shoot and like. It's, the, the photos are available on Shutterstock so if you're an agency or you're a publisher or you're a company and you want to use the photo if it's not part of your subscription you'd have to buy it individually so they bought one yeah. photograph for their website and wrote an article about that it was just like guess how much this cost so how much do you think one photograph from the Rihanna ASAP Rocky pregnancy unveiling photo shoot costs to download dollars um, just for usage uh, in like a journalistic capacity yeah yeah like the featured image on a uh, news story 20 grand? No, no, actually, surprisingly a lot less. One more guess? Oh, okay. Um, Three grand. (laughs) $1,500 for one photo.
0: Oh, $1,500? That's okay. That's actually fine, I suppose.
1: Yeah. But, like, you know... It's not going to stop with the people around the world just screenshotting it and using it and, you know, hoping that no one comes after them. And somebody will, because, <laughs> you know, that's what happens. Um, I did see... What that a was... way to close to optimism corner today. <laughs>
0: Someone will come after you, because that's what happens as we move on to yeah another
1: news story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did I throw one in? I think I threw one in, did I? You did, yeah. Yeah. yeah this so... does not fit in the corner. No, but well, like... It, it does. But no. it's weird, because I'm, like... I've never seen The Masked Singer. Have you seen The Masked Singer? No, I've been avoiding it. It doesn't seem like something I would be interested in. So it's some kind of American phenomenon show. I don't know if if it's been sold to Europe yet. I assume it has. Um, I think it's been running for like a few years now, maybe possibly. I could be totally wrong. I could be just making this up, but... I believe it's some kind of wacky game show in which there are people in extravagant costumes and you have to try and guess who's singing, essentially. And it could be yeah. anyone. And then, like, the mask comes off and it's like, oh, my God, it's fucking such and such. You know, it's it's Rihanna, for example. You're Brian, like, yeah, you Brian know, Dobson, yeah. Brian Dobson would be a great <laughs> one. I'd love that. Marty Whelan. Um, but, like, I guess they get all kinds of celebs on there and stuff, but... The new season, I think, has yet to air, or certainly this episode has yet to air. But Deadline this week, Deadline Hollywood, had an exclusive story that unmasked on the show in an upcoming episode, said to air, I think, this month. Rudy Giuliani. The fucking. Unbelievable. Fresh from undermining American democracy. Fresh from screaming about fake news while oil drips out of his face, um, he was yeah. unmasked as an exiting costume contestant, uh, first, sorry, season seven. This has been on the air for quite a while. And now apparently, right, as soon as this happened, right, judges, uh, Who again, this was news to me, the judges on the this show, me, yeah. Ken Jong of uh, the Hangover Trilogy fame and generally being not very funny. And Robin mm-hmm. Thicke, Robin Thicke is a oh, judge on God. this show. Um, I thought his career was over I can't believe it I actually can't believe it I actually can't believe it either but apparently they left the stage in protest when Big Rudy was unveiled Sarah Palin was on it before and that caused some controversy but generally it's meant to be a very wholesome show like it's meant to be very much like escapism and blah 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 and there's this whole consternation about it, like why on earth would you pick this fucking monster to be on there well but... he's
0: America's mayor
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think the 9-11 thing has worn off at this stage
0: like <laughs> the funny thing is he looks like someone where like the face is the on already let's right? not you
1: expect him to <laughs> let's not get into fucking image shaming you know it's oh fine. come on he literally has a melting face he is demo- we've
0: seen him melt he, he is demonic
1: and he's an awful person but you know do you know did you know that there's like a tv movie about him in which james woods plays him and it's called rudy it's from like the 90s or something i don't yeah. uh, what a um, what a union so yeah. yeah, when Robin Thick is outraged by your presence, it's time to call it a day. I it just... is. And it's time to call the news section a day uh, and move on to our top five. No album review. There will be one next week because there's actually quite a lot of stuff coming out alongside this podcast dropping. Yeah. We've yet to decide whether it's getting be, real, but we'll see. Uh, in the meantime, though, top five one hit wonders. Um, so yes, how do you define a one hit wonder? How into the weeds do you get on this? I kind of took a scattergun approach to it. Um... And also, I'll just be brutally honest with you, listener, I'm, you know, I'm kind of having a hard time focusing on some stuff here and there. So I, I you know, it's funny because at the start of the show, Craig, you're like, this is like a biggie. And I'm like, ah, oh, fucking is. But I almost regret not fully encasing. Because I, I, I think I did message you during the week and I was like, hey, get on with your top five. And you were like, it's actually labyrinthine. <laughs> like, it's kind of endless. Yeah. So yeah, I
0: thought this would be, I'll sit down for five minutes quick and, breezy. and five will come it's to you. not yeah, of course, at all. But then once, yeah, you think of one and then that opens up a whole nother, nother world and it's, yeah. But I think we can be, I was beating myself up because I looked at like definitions of one hit wonders. Do you want a definition just from Wikipedia that I think we can kick against okay. then? Okay. Um, so it says, one-hit wonder is any entity. So I guess it's the performer rather than the actual song that achieves mainstream popularity, often for only one piece of work, and becomes known among the general public solely for that momentary success. Commonly used in regard to music performers, course, but only one hit single that overshadows their other work. Some artists dubbed one-hit wonders in a particular country have had great success in other countries, which I think is probably an important point. Music artists with subsequent popular albums and hit sing- hit listings are typically not considered a one-hit wonder. Uh, but one-hit wonders usually see their popularity decreasing after their hit listing and most often do not ever return to hit listings. Hit listings is such a weird term anyway, but other songs or albums. So I think there's scope there for a bit of wiggle room. And what I ended up with was if we consider them a one hit wonder if in our head and the wider conscious it's that one song that they're tied to i think that's fair game because there were certain ones that i'm like this has to go in and then i'd check like the wikipedia like chart placings and there'd be another like hit yes this is the problem this is the
1: problem i have with at least maybe all of them to a degree but like one in particular is like i'm like like, like, i don't i don't know i don't know if i'll get away with that one but But yeah problem is i think inherent in one hit wonders because if
0: a song is that massive usually the follow-up will undeservedly get a bit of a
1: boost from that and then you'll see i think if there's a tailing effect we're we're in okay territory do you know what i mean i mean it's interesting that you have the kind of does this only apply like, to music are there places like like does it apply to sport i mean are, are, is like the 2004 european championship greece winning football team are they a one-hit wonder like does that count i mean like how do you is a season That's of television of adults, a right? one-hit wonder i mean like like what do you get into it's It's tricky. Um, I think the five songs I have qualify in the sense that like, you know, gut wise or in your head, you can't really envision too much beyond this or whatever. And this is certainly the standout moment. But like, for example, I don't have this in the top five. I did put it in the top five previously to much controversy. Um, Goo Goo Dolls Iris. Is that a one hit wonder? They're an enduring band. They have a career. But can you name me another Goo Goo Dolls song? I bet you can't. I can't. Neither so can I. I
0: think, I think they're fair, <laughs> and also this could be getting into the, uh, the the point of like success in other countries. So Goo Goo Dolls, maybe if you were born in America, born in America, <laughs> 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 born in the USA, amazing Goo Goo Dolls. You can't move for the Goo Goo Dolls hits, possibly. Sure. But I think over here the only one that travelled. Is that particular song? Yeah, so and I think we're yeah, naturally we're naturally yeah.
1: coming at it from the point of view. is like two Irish blokes. You know, if you yeah. didn't come over here, well it's then... all about our experience. Sure,
0: well, it usually is. The listeners know that at this point.
1: Yeah, um, well, look, I'll try. I and... did
0: enjoy because uh, I, I did enjoy like listening to one hit wonder playlists, and there was a lot of songs in there that I was immediately like, these don't really count. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a nice kind of w- without the kind of album to be listening to. It was a weirdly dissociative thing, just putting on a playlist of One Hit Wonders. Did you, you get that thing of like, you get kind of your entire world gets exponentially more ironic if you're moving around whilst listening to One Hit Wonders because it feels like you're in a movie where they're ironically using some like, like I went for a run during the week, right, with One Hit Wonders on and I was like running across the road and a car didn't indicate properly and like, made it very difficult for me, I had to kind of swerve in between two cars. And I kind of went, Ah, oh, for fuck's sake and your man kinda of like waved at me and it was a whole fucking thing, right? Mm-hmm. But all this happened as I was listening to Sugar Sugar by the archers. I was hoping it would have been was like clearly just a scene in a movie where your man kills me or something. Something <laughs> would have been like-, like as I'm lying on the floor, like my <laughs> headphones are still playing, uh, uh-huh, sugar, sugar, <laughs> da,
1: da, da. Or I was hoping be like, you know, like deep Blue something You're like boop boop. this guy's getting out of his car and getting a baseball bat from the back of his boot or something like (laughs) I recommend it though it was good okay Um, yeah I think ultimately it's what you make it isn't it and yeah there's uh, one quick question before we go did you have a moment where you were like that's definitely one hit wonder and then you discovered, oh no, they have lots of other singles that did well. For example, I really wanted to have, like, yeah. I, I would have loved to have had Boys to Men's End of the Road, but they did have other hits. Because, um, like, that's yeah, the one you to do. They would have been to. too. They w- yeah, for me,
0: Boys Men I would see as more enduring in people's yeah. consciousness. Yeah, probably a good way to think of it is. And not all, not all. I'd say a lot of the ones we have in here won't follow this. But if you think of, if you can remember the song name before the artist, that's probably a good steer. Okay. Even if they did sell quite well, but that's not bad. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I have some ones like that. I think even in here, and I, I threw some out. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to include, um, Cameo's word up. Oh, great one. I had the clip, and it, like, we, I think we we need to hear the clip just at this time of the year. But actually, Cameo were pretty goddamn successful and mm. they did another song that like had 30 million views i'm like okay i can't i can't i just can't if- i
1: was uh, i was super confident that uh bone thugs and harmony's crossroads would have been perfect for this but it turns out they'd loads yeah. of number ones and i was like oh bollocks i was like i love that song i know but look I know. you know we'll get there we'll get there how about i kick it off with a really obvious one it. here's a really obvious one but the reason i picked it is because i think people don't like this song but i think it's great here's my number five
0: you know
1: Yeah, no, Adam is correct. It's not the Gareth Gates version. It is Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. uh, A song from the best year of all time, 1969. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, am I right? No, hang on, that reference is a horrible real thing that happened, sorry. Um, Hell of a song, though. I think people hate this song for some reason. It's one of the earliest examples, I think, of, like, you know, One Hit Wonder. One of the biggest ones ever. It's massive. Um, I mean, it's cheesy as fuck. I get it. Maybe it's a bit naff. Maybe it's a bit too inescapable from like the Gary Glitter style of guitar and oh, Jesus disco yeah. beat and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's a nice, wholesome tune. Uh, I think it got a bit of a new lease of life when it was used in what superhero movie? Craig in twenty fourteen.
0: 2014, I think I checked out already. So think TV about movie. it, this
1: kind of song would have been t- like typical of the kind of songs across the soundtrack, and that was somehow seen as revolutionary. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. It was Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, but back in the late 60s, Norman Greenbaum wrote this song. Um, in I have to be honest, man, something of a cynical fashion. There's a 2006 interview he did with the New York Times and he told whoever he was talking to that he was inspired to write the song after watching Porter Wagoner, don't know, singing a gospel song on television. Because like this song makes several religious references to Jesus, but Norman Greenbaum is Jewish. Uh, He said, I thought, yeah, I could do that knowing nothing about gospel music so i sat down and wrote my own gospel song it came easy i wrote the words in 15 minutes so there you go he just wanted to make a quick book that old chestnut and he did um if you go onto the wikipedia page for this song it's hilarious because there's all kinds of like stuff thrown in as there always is and then there's one standalone sentence where it goes there is a music video with Greenbaum singing the song i was like oh wow that's revolutionary um he's talked about it though to this day and said like you know Uh, It sounds as fresh today as it was when it was recorded. I've got letters from funeral directors telling me that it's their second most requested song to play at memorial services next to Danny Boy. So yeah, I don't know how that goes down. Give me this, probably over Danny boy. Probably better than falling slowly, I would imagine. But uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is a bit of a belter. I, the Gareth Gates one doesn't really exist for me. I, I I didn't get sucked into that whole thing. I think it was for charity, so who cares? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think that this, is, for some reason, like, isn't like regarded as any kind of you know critical darling gem. But I think it makes its case pretty well. I think it's fun, and I'm fine with it.
0: So when Sugar Sugar finished and I'd, I was past my altercation and I kept running, um, Can You Dig It by the Mock Turtles came on after that. <laughs> <laughs> Which just instantly, that song is ruined by whatever ad it was. I think it was like a Carphone
1: Warehouse or Aircom kind of thing.
0: I, I, my first thought was Vodafone,
1: it? but it's probably like Carphone Warehouse. Yeah, someone like that. Aircell,
0: Aircell, according to Adam. So yeah, that, that, that works. Um, and just a nothing song. Nothing player. Um, and then the next song that came on was this. And I was like, oh yeah, actually, it took me a few seconds to recognise it as Spirit in the Sky. I really enjoyed the music. I was like, what did it remind me of at the time? That kind of lengthy intro, very vibey. It was on a kind of par with like a sweet emotion from Aerosmith or something. I was Mm -hmm. like, this could go in many different directions. And then the tune itself is maybe a little sweet, yeah, and kind of upbeat and like, George Harrison on a spiritual buzz but I think I think it was quite influ- influential I think the music of it's good I think this is a good choice and then I think the song after was Don't Worry Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin and I was
1: like I'm definitely gonna be killed today what a eye. fucking but, um, what a run you had there I mean that's I know it's kind of terrifying
0: yeah yeah I enjoyed it I was kind of living in the moment and um, I'll tell you Dave one song that has me living in the moment this week is my number five Outstanding standing wink it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah, yeah so this is some late energy um, that like threw everything into turmoil it was a late inclusion um, it was a recommendation from my sister and I was shocked that I immediately took it on board and was like yeah it has to go in I surprised myself here it is <laughs>
1: You know, me thinks I protested too much about my own shortcomings this week. Well, listen, this is definitely a one-hit wonder. Yes. Don't fight me on that one. It it's a ketchup.
0: <laughs> it's the ketchup song. And the thing about this song, apart from being an absolute belter no. that I didn't like at the time because of the associations with like the dance and it was very much the modern Macarena when it came out and I didn't like it. But in isolation, when I threw it on, I was like, "This is a sublime piece of writing," and maybe I picked it as well. <laughs> what are you doing? Because of what it stands for, Dave. Okay. You can go in a real. You can go down a rabbit hole, and God knows I have on last ketchup and the ketchup song. Is there much about it? Is it
1: actually about inclusivity? Is that, is, that, is that what I'm about to hear? No, it's about a one hit wonder, Dave. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, first of all, you've got like that smooth. I, I'm, I'm discovering, I think, as we do this podcast that. Latin pop might be my favorite genre. I mean, smooth, right. rhythm, divine. rhythm divine, it just yeah. gets its claws in me for whatever reason. But aside from all of that, last catch up are a girl group from Spain um, Lucia, Lola, and Pilar. And, and a fourth sister joined after this because <laughs> this is. So, um, yeah, best of luck to her. But this came out in 2002. It's called the Ketchup Song, which immediately I like because calling it the Ketchup Song is basically like this is the song from Last Ketchup. This is the only song. It's like performance art. I love. Do you know why they're called Last Ketchup, Dave? Uh,
1: big fans of ketchup. No,
0: because they are the daughters of a Spanish um, flamenco musician, Juan Manuel Munoz uh, Exposito which I think was another big hit, um, who goes by the stage name El Tomat, which is the tomato. So there, a lot ketchup, which is great. That's kind of good, fair play. But what this song is, this is actually Spanglish, right? And a lot of this song is actually gibberish, including the chorus, which I was like, what is this reminding me of? And what it was reminding me of was another song I was considering including, which invented hip hop, Dave, you could argue about that possibly, but Rapper's Delight by mm-hmm, the Sugarhill mm-hmm. Gang, right? Amazing. It was like a big one-hit wonder, late 70s. This song interpolates the, I think, the kind of stuttering cadence of the chorus to Rapper's Delight. And it's meaningless gibberish as if a Spanish person was trying to do Rapper's Delight. Because the story behind this song is a guy called Diego <laughs> walks into a nightclub knows the DJ, goes up to the DJ and wants him to play Rapper's Delight, this one-hit wonder, but he doesn't know the name of it, so he starts singing it in gibberish. So it just full circle, Dave. It's just, it was meant to be a one-hit wonder. It went to number one in like 13 countries, sold over 7 million copies. And also, (laughs) also continuing down the rabbit hole, it started a satanic panic In Mexico, most definitely. But yeah, there was this whole thing around it of a rumour being spread that it was a devil-worshipping song because back in 2002, chain emails were still a thing and a chain email went around which broke down the lyrics and concluded that the song was about a love affair with Lucifer, which was Diego... And there's literally, you can go on websites where they break down bar by bar the nonsense lyrics and how it actually is about welcoming the devil into your heart. And the original Spanish title of it is um, w- weirdly phonetically to do with being a heretic. It gets super dark. Uh, the girls have never commented on it. Um, maybe they made a pact with the devil. I was to about so to they can't. Hit. Yeah, they're not allowed and, yeah, that's that's my number five. And I will say, like, you've got that surf guitar underneath it. The melody is incredible. It's, it's like an Andalusian uh, sound of the underground. I think you could give this to Nelly Furtado or, like, Shakira, and it would be hipster's choice. Just get rid of the dance <laughs> and the Macarena stuff. I'm on board with this song, man. It's got it all. <laughs> okay, I got to give it to you.
1: I was going to challenge you hard and be like, is this not just a fucking novelty song, but... I mean, you know, the the nightclub story is cute if I don't know if it's strong enough to be compelling enough to write a song around, but the Satanic <laughs> Panic thing got me. Um, and you've it's got a point. It's definitely a novelty song, but I think there's a place for that. And I wanted, you know, a bit of yeah, that spectrum of one at one. I'm not me? too fond of them. I mean, like, you've got, a, you've got a point. You've made a very convincing argument. And I do agree with you that if if, if an Ellie Furtado or a Shakira or whoever uh, took it on, it'd be a different story. I mean, like, you know, it's not quite the same thing, but I have said for years that, like, there's a Sheryl Cole Will I Am song called Three Words that I think is actually quite good as like an ice oh, yeah. cold pop song. And I've always maintained that if it was by like, you know, Bonnie Vare and fucking, I don't know, yeah, Lady Gaga, it'd be like, this is redefining what a pop song is. And don't get me wrong, it's probably like a three star pop song, but I quite like it. Fine, you've, you've convinced me and I'm going to change can- the mood quite significantly now. So the assignment, here's one of the first examples of me probably failing to misunderstand or failing to understand it um we this isn't the best and worst this is like songs that we think are good um however you know me i like to challenge that viewpoint on occasion so i've picked a song that is a one-hit wonder that's clear it might be terrible but it's a pop culture moment and i think i think i need to confront it and i don't know when else i'll get the chance to do it so here's my number four Yes, of course, it is famed anarcho-communist punk outfit Chumbawamba with tub thumping uh known colloquially as i get knocked down uh a song that came out in 97 i think and um without question Mm -hmm. their biggest song off their eighth album they're a band that were around for 30 fucking years they went from 82 to 2012 and this was the big kind of inescapable late 90s pub anthem i suppose i guess it's ironic is it i don't know is it any good did this Did Guy Ritchie's birth occur when the song was being played? I mean, like, what do we think of it? Is it trash? Is it genius? Can you possibly make a Last Ketchup-esque argument for it? Do I like this song? I don't think so. But I picked it, Craig, because I've lost my mind. I'd never hated this song as much as a lot of people do.
0: Um... I always associate it with World Cup 98. Was yes. it in one of the FIFA games? It probably it was. was. I think it was in Road to World Cup 98. Yeah, that, that, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the menu. probably like, would the... have been renting from Extra Vision mm-hmm. on the weekends or something like that. Um, when this is kind of a the catch-up song thing of like I remember quite early on, probably not when I was 10, but a few years thereafter reading about the kind of meaning, like the Marxist um, anarcho whatever manifesto that was built into the lyrics. And it's kind of like a worker's anthem or um, a bit of a kind of struggle song as opposed to just being a pure drinking song. So that makes me want to like it. Um, I think the hook is fine. It's just very, it insists upon itself. And... The one thing bringing it down in my book is, like, I can't believe we've now had two references to Danny Boy on one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I think it's fair game. I'm, like, happy for their success with this one. It had its place. Yeah. and It's singular. I think a, it is singular. You know? It was big... It was big at a time when I was too young to be in unsavoury environs where this would be being belted out. Like, I, I was never there for this being a big pub anthem, which is, I guess, would have led me to absolutely loathe it. But uh, as
1: it stands, it's just a kind of childhood throwback. So I'm quite happy with this one. I, I don't mind at all. I thought you were about to say childhood trauma. But um, <laughs> uh, let's hear from the singer Dunstan Bruce, who uh, discussed an in interview with The Guardian about it. He was saying, like... Um, said that before the band wrote this song, they were in a mess. We'd become directionless and disparate. Uh, this song changed that. It's not our most political or our best song, but it brought us back together. It's about us as a class and as a band. The beauty of it was we had no idea how big it would be. Now, let's hear from a spectacular named critic, Larry Flick, from Billboard, who said about this song, Some records just demand attention. Tub-thumping is one of the rare few. You can spend three times the track's running time plucking out the seemingly disparate sounds and assorted genre references, starting with the forceful Alterna rock guitar scratches the hip-hop-derived beats and the swing-style horns. Holding it all together are the kind of rousing, gang-like chants that you hear at football games. Sounds odd, huh? Well, you won't soon forget this jam after its first listen, and you'll likely be hearing it on pop and modern rock stations for months to come. <laughs> if this gem is indicative of the tone of the act's forthcoming album, it should be quite a head trip. Uh Don't think it led to major success worldwide for them or nothing, but, you know, it has its place, as Craig says. And it's routinely voted simultaneously either in, like, you know, the best one-hit wonders, the most annoying songs, whatever. I feel like it's a song that will never die. And maybe that's what a one-hit wonder should be, right? It's well
0: constructed, like I, you know, it, it is definitely annoying in a certain context, but it is well constructed. I think it's well put together, and it achieved its aim. So, yeah, success for them. I'm gonna keep a communist, Dave. This was a good choice. Finally, in terms of my next lead in, yeah. So let's go from like the satanic macarena to um, Marxist electro swing. it's whitetown it's your woman it's from 1996 i think blew up in 1997 and whitetown started as a band the kind of band that would support primal scream and seemed to be maybe going places and then the band left and um the founder remained who is uh Yachty mishra um who is a self-reclaimed radical kind of feminist um communist marxist uh, super interesting guy good for an old interview. He doesn't get interviewed too much anymore, but, like, you can go on um, early 2000s websites and see, like, Geocities-style things where people emailed him questions and he gives good quotes and he makes good song. This was, like, the one hit he had. And he seemed to be kind of quite happy with that. He quickly fell out with EMI and like um, felt like he'd betrayed himself by signing a deal. But this was massive. So initially it wasn't. Initially it was released, I think, on an EP which sold about 500 copies in 96. And it blew up because of radio. Um, Chris Evans happened to play it. And then Mark Radcliffe, I think, picked up on it and started championing it. And it got to number one in the UK, which is just such a strange thing because it is... It's kind of like the tub-tumping thing of just being a mashup of different sounds, and there's a lot going on with it, but it's just it hangs together against all odds absolutely beautifully. So um, it's kind of turning everything about a pop song on its head. So it uses uh, a 1930s recording of like this trumpet line, which is that great hook from the song My Woman, which was a, a loose stone song. And what Mishra was hoping to do with that was he saw, like, he loved the trumpet line, but the original song from the 1930s was quite sexist, so he thought, okay, let's play around with that, and let's completely flip it, and he brings in this kind of electro dance thing on top of it, with the vocal which is doing a throwback thing of, like, the, the bugles, almost, Video Kill the Radio Star, but I think actually much more successfully, because that song annoys me. Um, and the themes, like, there's a lot going on, It's a, it's a great pop song but underneath and in the lyrics Mishra says themes include being a member of an orthodox Trotskyite Marxist movement being a straight guy in love with a lesbian being a gay guy in love with a straight man being a straight girl in love with a lying two-timing fake arse Marxist the hypocrisy that results when love and lust get mixed up with highbrow ideals and he went to number one with that song and the video was like this guy chasing around a flapper like real throwbacky he was only on a small TV show screen in a shop window didn't really feature at all i couldn't tell you what he looks like but in interviews he said like it was actually life-changing and there was kind of people parked outside his gaff and it made kind of life incredibly surreal for a long time um but things didn't last that long. As I said, Like he kind of fell out with EMI quite quickly and disavowed the industry. And he's a freelance writer now. He's still knocking about. He's knocking about in the YouTube comments of this very song, where he will thank people for listening to it and explain like, some of the details. Like the top comment is him going, it's not Star Wars, I guess the melody or something. He says, in the 1990s, I bought the CD soundtrack for Dennis Potter's Pennies from Heaven. And on it was an amazing 1932 song called My Woman by Lou Stone and the Monsignor Band vocal by Al by Olby. Uh, that itself was a cover of an original by Bing Crosby, and that started with this beautiful trumpet hook, and he kind of goes on. And um, yeah, it's a very strange song. Also in the YouTube comments, someone says it's the most Gorillaz song that gorillas never wrote, <laughs> which I think makes a kind of sense, actually, yeah. when it was said. And I don't know, can a song like this go to number one anymore? Does it even matter if you go to number one? I feel like this weird left field in every sense kind of huge moment doesn't happen
1: maybe i'm wrong uh, maybe it's in nfts or something i don't know i mean i find the charts increasingly like not interesting and i think around yeah. the time that this was released it held a different kind of power um it was a yes, lot more of a pop sure. culture staple i mean even a show like top of the pops was you know in a, a way of getting music where you elsewhere couldn't get it and like you know you kind of crowded around the fucking tv to watch it sometimes maybe type thing you know it was important there was a physical tangibility to it and a song like this i think kind of helped to help kind of define that time as well uh i love this song it's uh so cool it's just so instantly cool it's standalone in, in that way as well it's singular in a very different way to the last song that we had uh it's just it's it's both it sounds effortless but obviously you know he put a lot of work into it um i gotta pull you back on one thing though video kill the radio star is a great song what are you talking about
0: I think the melody works, and I think the the best thing about that song is the "o oh, uh 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 ohs, which is an amazing hook. But I never liked the mannered, treated vocal, where it's like the old-timey thing. It just felt corny to me. It takes me out of it. Do you know what I mean? Sure. All the ingredients are there, and then it's spoiled. It's just, it's just, I don't know, it's a see, Marmite thing you for me. the
1: band were called The Bugles? I always thought it was bugles. But I've known. probably is
0: Buggles. I think it's Buggles. But, like, isn't it, isn't it Bugle, like, if you're playing a Bugle, B-U-G-L-E?
1: I thought it was 2Gs. Oh, maybe there's 2 G. Maybe there is two I think G's, it's just I Buggles. Know. I've never actually heard it so, said out loud, I don't think. Uh, well, we can definitely agree that the Presidents of the USA version is obviously a superior vintage. But, um, yeah, this song <laughs> rules. Nicely done, Craig. And nicely of its time as well. So this is where I run into trouble because, like, my number three choice here is, like... I mean, and I was challenged on it even in work today... By someone who was like no hang on they've also got this song which was pretty big so this is a tricky one like do i do i go with with what i have which is technically not a one-hit wonder but it's the only song i kind of a, i associate with them and it was certainly the biggest international hit and okay. it's not like it was a number one either so let's go with it how about we go with it and if you disagree with it i have a fairly rough backup i could maybe go with so adam hit that number three So that's Untouched by the Veronicas. Now, the problem here, Craig, is that uh, they have another song called Live Forever, which is also a bit of a big hit for them to a degree. This was a massive hit in their native, in their native Australia. But even when it came across the pond across the world, uh, it, I think it peaked at like 92 on the UK single chart. So what am I doing? But like, <laughs> I'm just like, this is the Veronicas. This is the one song I know, the one song I love. I think it's amazing. The one thing I will say is it did go to number one in Ireland giving them their first ever international number one but i think i just wanted to crowbar this one in i think i went you know i think i went with a physical reaction to it rather than um doing my due diligence so here's what we'll do we'll just we'll we'll, we'll enjoy that that song exists and it's great untouched by the (laughs) veronicas it doesn't get enough love if you ask me and we'll awkwardly throw in my backup choice here now which i think in a way this is
0: a very craig move crowbarring into (laughs) clips Uh, i think
1: i do think in a way this clip which i guess will serve as my actual number three uh follows on quite well from the last two we've actually had from chumbawamba and your pick there the last one so let's have it
0: Stop the rock, You can't stop the rock can't stop the rock
1: so that's uh, Apollo 440, and the song is Stop the Rock, which I'm also pretty sure was used in a FIFA game. I'm almost yeah, definitely certain was. What it was. If it wasn't, that'd be yeah. a real oversight by EA Sports. 2000, I think. that would This be- is a 1999 song, isn't it? Yeah. It's Summertime for Humanity. I think it is. I think okay. it, it might have been in Gone in 60 Seconds starring Nicolas Cage. They did the theme tune to that terrible Lost in Space reboot, I think, unless I'm having a weird brain thing here and I'm just mixing it up. Um, and I think as well, if um, if jxl didn't do a a little less conversation remix this would be perfect for like oceans 11 or something it's very cinematic i thought it ruled when i was a teenager however i'm willing to stand up here and admit that i don't think it's that great of a song is it it's kind enough but it's a one-hit wonder, and I was kind of up against yeah. it. And this is my backup choice. Well, let me away with it for it's, this week. I do. It's apologize. got the theremin going, which is a bonus. Theremin's for always sure. good, man. It's good use for theremin. Um, right up there with good vibrations. Is so, it yeah. the sound? Is it the sound of FHM magazine? Is it the sound of that kind of very oh. British? Even though I don't it know, it is if that it's British. dance
0: electronic kind of yeah, that squelch of <laughs> the squelch well. of FHM. Maybe not quite that. That was a poor choice of words. I can confirm that it's the Buggles. By the way, Yay. so I'm incorrect. yeah Okay. Although, now we mention it, Correction Corner, mm-hmm. last week, talking about Meatloaf. Mm-hmm. He was, in fact, in Wayne's World, talking about the shitty Beatles. Was he? Chris Farley. Yeah. Chris Farley was also Chris Farley's a it. cop, but isn't he? Chris Farley is a security guard who is um, suspiciously helpful. Do you remember? He gives some, like, loads of information. Oh, yeah. Sorry, like, oh, no. well this be a plot point later yeah, on? Yeah, he's a yeah. cop
1: in Airheads. Damn it. Yeah, fuck. I, I did think yeah. I got that wrong. But like, look, it was a, uh, you know, there was a lot going on. So I am there was a sorry to all involved.
0: On. And I apologize to the buggles as well. Good. And here's my number three, which is the, this started after a heavy night of drinking. For you? This song, not the podcast. <laughs> James DiSalvio woke up face down on a lawn in West Hollywood with a serious headache. He asked himself, what the hell am I doing? Drinking in LA. eyes when Mike came over with a script surprise. A mafioso story with a twist. A two-word food, you are here to get your ass out of bed. said, I'll explain it on the way. But we need
1: nothing.
0: Brand Van Three Thousand drinking in LA. It went to number three in the UK. I think it was it was definitely top twenty here, um, and yeah, had lesser success in the US. But Brand Van Three Thousand don't know a huge amount about them. They're a Canadian electronica collective by all accounts, and um, this was their debut single back in nineteen ninety seven. And yeah, it's it's still just incredible to me. It kind of feels like hair of the dog in song form. It's just that ennui of just being out and thinking I'm making a waste. You know, I'm just kind of wasting my life. What am I doing? Um, but getting kind of back on the horse and being in that haze of like, I've got nothing to do today. i have a few beers with mates and that is to me drinking in LA. There's a voice piece about it, because of course there is.
1: Yeah, of course there is. It's
0: actually quite good, but it's like the headline was like 20 years later, drinking in LA is still the ultimate existential slacker anthem, which I think is, yeah, probably the fitting um, descriptor for it. And it's just a shock to me that that, that this became such a big hit. Like, it, none of the components of this song, except for the fact that it is a shimmering, atmospheric wonder, suggest it would be a hit. Um, like, there's a bit of a hook, kind of. I think the, the vocals do elevate it slightly, but what you're dealing with in terms of the guitar line is, like, the sound of someone. It's a kind of like a practice amp thing. It's like post grunge it's like a different song is waiting to kick up but it just kind of floats along and you float along with it and it's
1: magical and it shouldn't have been a hit but i'm glad it was it's an all-timer um yeah i thought you'd pick it so i stayed away um, and yeah. <laughs> it, it felt like a safe bet you know i still think we might have crossover upcoming but we'll see uh, I, i've always loved it I always, like it. It always stood alone. It always had this weird mystery to it. There's some certain songs I would kind of associate with it, which I might hold off on mentioning just in case they pop up on your list upcoming. But I know what you're thinking of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought you were introing the one that we're probably both thinking of right now. But ah, it's great. It has an age today, and like it feels like a novel or something or a novella. Like it doesn't even feel like like it feels like a story through music which you know is maybe what all great songs should be but i think without really i just think into it like like there's just something very kind of and it's not even like oh man i had a wild one last night because i would have heard of this one as a fucking teenager you know i mean like mm-hmm. but like i don't even go to it for that level of what it's about i think it just has a physical lived-in charm to it it just has kind of a genuine kind of it's funny because you mentioned like you know shouldn't have been a hit or you know maybe whatever it doesn't feel designed for radio but i think it's kind of yeah, perfect totally. for radio and i have to imagine i don't know american radio but i have to imagine it's perfect for american radio i mean obviously it well, starts off it has, with that kind of idea yeah i like, was gonna say it, it's almost like a kind
0: of ha- like a, a movie hang it's like that once upon a time in hollywood thing yeah. or like licorice pizza where it's you know it's just a kind of love letter to a certain era but it's in song form um, so just make more songs like this and less films like Licorice Pizza, I guess, or um, do both. Have you, you have you seen Licorice Pizza? It's good. I have. Yeah, I I loved the experience of it. I had a lot of questions about the central relationship. For anyone who hasn't seen the over. film
1: or know what we're talking about, Craig, can you describe what's going on there?
0: Um, a 25-year-old woman is having a platonic relationship with a 15-year-old in um, San Fernando Valley back in the 70s and it's very PTA and it's like his love letter to the area he's most associated with. It's I think it's him trying to do his um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think he saw that film and was just like, I want some of that because it's this, from the soundtrack to just the way it's shot. It's beautiful. I enjoyed it. Every moment of it, but I didn't quite know what it was trying to say. I'm, I think I'm still turning that over my head, and that might be the mark of a great film, or that might be it kind of missing the mark. I'm not. I'm still not entirely sure.
1: Yeah, and like there is a massive debate about the age gap and how is yeah. this is this basically is he basically presenting some kind of paedophilia or whatever? And I'm not going to get into that or whatever. I will say that my take on it was that. <sighs> Uh, number one is the 70s bookaroo. Uh number two um, these are extremely flawed quite dislikable characters by the end of it really and I'm just kind of like yeah. it's about making mistakes and the folly of youth and whatever I'm not looking to get into a fucking you know op-ed think piece about it I just thought it was decent you know it's grand but yeah I don't know I'd argue that this it's is great performances yeah. I, I I, think you know if pushed I'm picking Brand Van 3000 over it though this is better. Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, number two for me is a Let's go.
0: Crack the body open, homie, and guzzle it, because I know the weed in my system is getting lonely. I gotta take a whiz test to my P.O. I know I feel because I smoke major weed, bro. And every time we with Chris, that fool rolling up a fatty. But the tiger race straight had me.
1: I got five on it by Lunas, formerly the Looney Tunes, uh, a duo from Oakland, California of Yuckmouth and Numb Skull. Uh, And this is without question their massive hit in 1995, I got five on it. Uh, It's just all about that vibe, isn't it? It's so good. I think it's a companion piece to Regulate by Warren G and Nate Dogg, of course. Good shout. Uh, As a matter of fact, um if you go onto the wikipedia page for the song because of course we've talked before about the infamous wikipedia page for regulation how it's like describes the content <laughs> the synopsis, of the song yeah the, the son- <laughs> extremely detailed synopsis which, which is isn't currently on its page i think you have to google it and try and find it but like someone had written basically this kind of short story version of it and it was just gorgeously written um yeah this has a similar thing just a quick snippet on it um where under under the heading of content uh, the title relates to the following lyrics and it's like you know describing how it's about uh, splitting you know uh, some some marijuana together in terms of the, mm. the 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 frugal amount i suppose um so it <laughs> says here the track is performed by Yuckmouth and Numskull who duet about splitting the cost of a 10 dollar bag of weed before going to a convenience store to buy Tanqueray gin Carlo Rossi wine Arizona brand soft drinks, and a Swisher sweets Cigar to break down and convert into a blunt. The reprised version of the track suggests that the original five on it came from a man who had prepaid numskull for yet undelivered cocaine. <laughs> I fucking love Fantastic. it. Uh, can You Name... Yeah. There was a remix of this song that came along in recent years, a very kind of spooky remix. And uh, Oh, yeah. What film was it for?
0: it was the best thing about the film Us by Jordan Ville you're correct uh, which was fine but yeah <laughs> when, remember when the trailer came out and it was just like this is perfect how How how's this not been done before yeah. this is like genius I think that was the one genius thing about it had some problems with the film yeah me uh, too it was still a grand watch but um, yeah just so haunting it's haunting in it's original form as well there's something about it just kind of seeps into you it's got that drinking in LA thing it's just a total haze it's just yeah. intoxicating yeah. Um, fittingly so yeah I was kind of <laughs> like like, I'm going to have to have Brand Van Treathausen. Can I include this? Is this a bit too similar? I'm really glad you picked it. So yeah, nice place. I guess they work well together, yeah. Now, now that you think of it. Yeah. Well, I go to my, my runner-up, sure. which I think... I debated this one, right? Because I really wanted the top five to be Out of Nowhere Acts, where it was just... All you thought about was this specific song. With this artist, there's a whole lot of baggage because... But I think it's only baggage for indie types and hipsters and music fans like us um because they've had a long career they never really hit it big in you know the way this song hit it there was a a previous more minor hit like a decade previously with their first group which i don't think really counts but um i decided to leave it in because the clip is so goddamn good it's a moment this was a 90s moment worth celebrating it kind of came out of nowhere and um Then I think for most people, this artist went back into oblivion. Uh, But luckily, they've kind of sidestepped oblivion in many different ways and um, continues to kind of knock about and create great stuff. Here we go. Edwin Collins, yeah. Um, The Scottish David Byrne, if David Byrne wasn't Scottish to begin with. And it's A Girl Like You. It's from 1995, I believe. It was a worldwide hit, which was totally unexpected because it was the lead single from his third solo album. Um, The previous two hadn't done a huge amount of business. Um, You know, favourable notices in like the enemy and stuff, um, as you would expect from Edwin Collins. Who was pioneering post-bunker with Orange Juice in the 80s and I think he co-founded Postcard Records and just all of that sound. He was just hugely influential. Orange Juice were um, kind of cult favourites and people in the know knew them and then, you know, acts would form in their wake and become even bigger they had as i said just kind of a minor hit with rip it up but i don't think a lot of people still associate that with him i think most people think of like this guy who was like pushing 40 who did this weird mashup crooner thing this very odd love song with the amazing fuzz box guitar and um the drummer from the sex pistols playing the vibraphone Um, Paul Cook which is cool it was like his ode apparently to Iggy Pop which I didn't know previous to um, doing a bit of reading for this but makes total sense to me because it's both got a kind of grandeur about it and a lushness and the orchestral stuff but a real sleaziness Um, so yeah just I guess captivated people and it went huge right around the world it was number 4 or or 5 in the UK Um, But was big in the U.S. as well. And I guess this is probably the only one um, he's known for in the U.S. for sure. And then... I don't even think it was Diminishing Returns Thereafter, the second single from the record, but there's no Wikipedia page on it, essentially. Um, so yeah, but Edwin Collins kept working away, and of course he had health troubles um, in more recent times, which he overcame um, quite magnificently and just kept making incredible art, and he's won an Ivor Novella, Day. Oh, there you I mean, go. I mean, give it as
1: if it was in doubt, you know, that's the, that's the <laughs> capper. Uh i've always adored this song i always will i think again a, a lot of these songs feel singular maybe that's again maybe like that i'm I'm, I'm figuring out a very obvious thing here in real time but like yeah. yeah this song like very few songs can challenge this one um i definitely saw it in a bunch of movies i think in the mid-90s i think it's an empire records i think it did travel it into is. a bunch of a, a bunch of american films uh it's just so peerless isn't it it's so cool and again kind of twin peaksy maybe Well yeah, it it has that kind of it's a nod back to the
0: fifties, right? But it's updated, so it totally fits into the Lynch universe, yeah, for sure. The Lynch universe,
1: yeah. Um (laughs) that kind of Orbison thing, that kind of Chris Isaac thing. I didn't pick Wicked Game. Is Wicked Game one, I wonder? It might be. I didn't pick that. I thought about it. But I thought about it. then wasn't uh,
0: did baby did a bad bad thing that was kind of a hit yeah, I feel like he had yeah. a few songs maybe not on the scale I think we could have made the case for it, but yeah
1: again you get into the weeds but seriously Edwin Collins girl like you uh, all timer and a very Craig pick for sure uh, oh yes number one for me um, is Craig adjacent I think certainly <laughs> <laughs> because okay. there's a cover of this that popped along at a certain point uh, amidst a mysterious artist but it's time. It's time to go back to to the summer of the late nineties, and you know, just, just soak up the sun. Let's go. No. Yeah, not quite Summertime for Humanity. It was 1998. It's Jennifer Page and it's Crush. Paved the way. Paged the way, you could say. Although that's not her you real could, surname, You Craig. could. You could say that. You shouldn't say that because it doesn't work. Uh, it's not her real surname, though. Her real surname apparently is Scoggins, which sounds like, I don't know, Scoggins. something like a doctor would diagnose you with and you'd be like, oh, no. Oh, he's got the Scoggins. I'm sorry, it's Scoggins. There's nothing we can do. Um, But what we can do is appreciate one of the great pop songs of all time, Crushed by Jennifer Page. I was, of course, referencing a certain cover by a certain artist. If
0: it's good enough for Jay Paul, (laughs) it's good (laughs) enough for me. I love that cover as well, but the original is fantastic.
1: Such a belter. There was rumours that it was written about um, a member of NSYNC, Joey Fatone, apparently, Uh, as Jennifer Page was rumoured to be dating him at the time. However, she told Disney Chat that they were never in a relationship. The rumour started as they used to run into each other at the same concert and TV shows. One day, she was given a Superman ring as Fatone collects Superman stuff. Apparently, he said it was her engagement ring. Weird. What isn't weird, though, is this song. Uh, It's just kind of a perfect pop song, isn't it? Like, it's all it kind of needs to be. Uh, A a top 20 staple for quite some time around the 90s. Uh, I think it's pretty great. Uh, and so does uh, my new best friend, Larry Flick from Billboard magazine. going to bring him back in here now for some weird <laughs> writing that he wrote. Good all Flick. He said that Paige Niescoggins succeeds in the nearly impossible task of oozing, smouldering sensuality without resorting to typical groans and moans. Instead, she uses her notably flexible vocal range to convey the emotion oh, of the tune, quickly soaring to lilting high notes and then dropping to the lowest point of her register to accentuate accentuate within the space of several seconds. It gets worse. He says, as a result, oh. she breathes a refreshing intensity into the song that renders oh, it far more sexy than it would have been had she simply taken the easy route Unfortunately, this talented new artist is giving a substantial song to work with. This guy sounds like he's from the 20s and I'm not into it. Uh, I retract my good old <laughs> flick. <laughs> Bad old flick. Uh, great old song, though. Crush. I think it's longstanding. Uh, I think it works perfectly. And I must say, when it did pop up as that uh, J-Paul cover, I think all of us were like, Oh my God, what a fucking inspired choice that was. A really cool cover yeah. of an amazing song that will live forever. That's a man with taste. And that's a, a very good choice. That's my number 1. I didn't expect that. Did I don't you know it? why, but just no, it just it didn't really
0: enter my head okay. um,
1: over the week, but uh, a really great song. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go on. When you were putting together your top 5, uh, when you were working on the show, did you did you look ahead and think about how we'd be recording late or this week? What? it only works if you picked a certain song for number one that I think you didn't pick, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was so confident. Oh
0: man. I Okay. So my, my actual number one is Just left out to
1: die. Unbelievable. See you later guys. Plug out the microphone. <laughs> Good luck. All right. So here we go. Right. Um, I was referencing Steal My Sunshine by Len, by the way, just so everyone knows. So everyone catches up on it. <laughs> Apparently he didn't pick that. I would have bet my house on it. Good thing I don't own a house and I never will. Was...
0: I thought that was one of the ones that you were including with the whole Brand Vantry. I was. That's why like I thought that you would have gone for a twofer. Yeah, yeah.
1: I couldn't. I couldn't. It was too similar. Okay. I
0: was playing it quite a bit. Look but, what you did. Um, look, look, you you left me out it. here.
1: Look how you massacred your boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's bring him back up, will we? Sure. Okay, so... Someone hit wonders as I was listening to them, I'm like, okay, this artist has stumbled upon like a gold-plated hook and they haven't really known what to do with it. Because like, you know, the rest of the songs is a bit flick. You can see why this was a one and done. They just ventured across something and by pure fluke, it was a hit or it was a bit of an oddball hit. Then there's other songs where you're like, that deserved to be a hit. It was well constructed. They knew what they were doing. I put Eye of the Tiger in there it's not my number one it didn't make the top five but I think it like is a well written song with a narrative that does a really good job and I actually found it oddly affecting this week um, but it's
1: not my top five
0: You found Eye of the Tiger oddly affecting? Yeah have you listened to the lyrics to that song lately I guess Alan? it is about after everything we've been through It's tr- a bit
1: overcoming and stuff is it?
0: It's about rising up to the challenge of our rivals Dave <laughs> That's <laughs> what it's about <laughs>
1: Okay <laughs> Just, Okay <laughs>
0: of that ilk is this song okay? and I think it's a classic I think it's the 90s Be My Baby I think it works in every regard every element I think it's se- it's like the urtext of a lot of dance songs that has a soul- soulful kind of vocal line but doesn't really go anywhere but this actually has a full bodied narrative theme, essence here's my number one
1: You know, I almost got emotional during that intro, Craig. And with an intro, I thought you really had to deliver at the end of it. And boy, did you? It's Hadaway.
0: It's what is love. It's that most existential of questions. And yeah, I I don't know what to say about this, really. It's completely, it's deathless in the best possible way. I'm going to be listening to this at 90. Um, Just when you think they've delivered the hook... Where'd you go from there? There's It just builds, there's different elements. It's, I don't know. It just, it's it's that existential thing as well that gets me, combined with the fact that this was a bit of a going out drinking song for me and an old group of friends. So I remember listening to this at kind of pre-drinks, at different nights, good nights, but also being played. Great nights. Great nights. Thursday nights in the Ozone in Lisa, <laughs> Where it would invariably be, this would kick in and you'd have the DJ going like, Thursday night Ozone, which would do one o'clock, like all drinks two euros. And then it'd be like, can we have security to the dance floor? Security to the dance floor. So that is like totally inextricably linked with this song, um, which was a hit for Hathaway, who is... Um, from Trinidad originally, um, calls Germany home as well, Um, grew up in the States for a bit as well, is huge in Germany. So this is one where you could have been like, I don't know, he's had a lot of success in Germany, but I do feel like the list's needed an artist who was big in Germany. Definitely, that yeah. is, to me, kind of the definition of one-hit wonder. <laughs> okay. Um, there was a follow-up single, I think, called like Life or High or something like that, which actually was a minor hit, but it was that kind of, it trailed off from there and certainly I don't know any of his, the rest of his stuff, but yeah, it just the vocal really gets to me, man. It just works. Every element is a hook, twists and turns, and um, you know when you think of the artist name when you think of Hadaway it feels like a bit of a punchline or something and that's probably tied up in like the SNL sketch but man when the music hits you you don't feel any pain to
1: paraphrase Bob Marley or whatever Jesus I don't know how to follow that so I just won't amazing choice Greg hell of a number one and neither of us picked Lou Bega. so there you go that never happened either because it's a terrible song. <laughs> Summertime for Humanity as well, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, you know, wasn't all sunshine. But I do remember Lou Bega had a follow-up song. And you know the way, like Mambo Number Five starts off with one, two, three, four, five. His follow-up single was like, six, seven, six, eight, nine, seven, ten. And I was like, how is he going to keep this going? Oh, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have to because that's the end of it. Uh, hell of a list. Weird one, I suppose. I kind of fucked it up, but, you know, I think there's some... I don't think he did. I think, I think that was a good overview of the phenomena. I mean, it's... That is, it's the one-hit wonder. We say it every now and then, but it's top five you could do 50 times over and still never get to the bottom of it. But that's not what the top fives are about. They're about celebration... And we're here to celebrate Adam Shanahan, Sonic Architect of the Stars. Do check out the latest Before the Encore, by the way, which is out now. A great conversation between Adam and Becca Maloney. It's on your feed at the moment. Do not skip past it. It's really good. Adam's actually better at this than we are. That's how good he is. And he also makes the show... Disconcertingly good. He also makes the show sound great. And we appreciate that. And we appreciate you, listener, for being here with us uh, at the tail end of a long fucking week. I hope the weekend is beautiful to you. Or if you listen to this on Monday, I hope the week is great to you as well. Uh, we will be back with an album review and a top five and more news in the meantime if you like what we do tell your friends don't be shy leave a review I think you can do that on Spotify if you're if you're staying on the platform that's your choice we're not going to bully you about it we're not going to tell you what to do however what I would say is probably worth checking out the 99 9 podcast this week they did a really good episode about Spotify and all the current goings on over there uh, it's patreon.com slash noencore if you love the show and want to support us always welcome thank you to everyone who does and for now My name is Dave Hanreddy. His name is Craig Fitzpatrick. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. And uh, yeah, have an amazing winter. It's winter. Bye.